I'm Julie Burgess, Jeff's mom. <laughs> Jeff Burgess, writer and podcaster for Windy City Gridiron. Welcome back in to the Bears Hopium Den, our summer podcast series on the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. I'm Jeff Burkis. I've been your host throughout this series, and today is the final episode, and we get the tables turned. I asked my lovely wife to come on and play guest host for this episode so that I could answer the Hopium Den questions, along with number one Bears fan, my mom. My mom and I have bonded over Bears football for a very long time. I thought it only appropriate that the consumer of the most Bears information out there uh, would have an opportunity to participate. And so I hope you enjoy hearing from my mom and sharing some stories about going to Platteville and growing up watching the Bears and all of the rituals around our family. And I just want to thank everybody that has been involved with the project throughout the summer. I think it was an interesting way to learn more about Bears fans and connect with one another as we yet again start anew with new leadership, new quarterback, new coaching staff. And then thank you to all of you that have listened throughout this podcast series. I think I really appreciate all the supportive comments that we've received. Please enjoy the season and enjoy this conversation. Leslie, my wife, speaks first. Okay, welcome to the Bears Hopium Den with a little bit different voice here. This is Leslie Burkus, Jeff Burkus's wife, and I'm going to flip the script here on Jeff and his mom, Julie, who joins us today, and we're going to hear from them. I think it's going to be really interesting to hear, to hear mother and son talk about why they love the Bears. So let's get started here. Let's hear from Julie Burkus. Please introduce yourself. I'm Julie Burgess, Jeff's mom. <laughs> yeah, that's short and sweet. I love it. And Jeff? Jeff Burgess, <laughs> writer and podcaster for Windy City Gridiron. People probably know you. I, I think they probably know you already. Fair. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to get into it right away, and we're going to ask our first question of why are you both Bears fans? And I'll ask Julie first. Mine was because of my dad. Um, every Sunday, we would sit there when the Bears would come on, and we'd watch Dick Buckus and crew, of course, and my dad would explain everything that he did, and of course, the rest of them. But um, it probably comes back to my dad, and uh, always just constantly. They'll do it next year. Uh, they're the best team ever. Dick Buckus is the best person ever. So that's what it comes down to. Why was he such a Bears fan? Because they are smash mouth football. I don't know that term. What is smash mouth football? <laughs> defense, defense, okay. defense. Well, did he grow up a Bears fan? Yes. His parents were, or he just picked his, them randomly? His uh, grandfather was. Okay. Well, um, Jeff, do you want to tell us why you're a Bears fan? I think the short answer is probably sitting across from the the desk here. I think that being born into it, you don't have much of a choice in a lot of ways. And everybody's a Bears fan. Both sides of the family, uh, you know, had had either ties to Chicago or or rooted for Chicago sports. And so that was easy. There was a time in my life uh, where I was a big Emmett Smith fan. 
in the 90s, and I cheered for the Cowboys. We had a family connection, uh, defensive tackle um, that we had we had a family connection with, and I had you know I would get autographs stuff from him and stuff like that. So I did cheer for for the Cowboys uh, when the Bears were terrible in the 90s, but it was like cheering for both teams. And basically, when I got into uh, college and got really serious about following the Bears after my my short playing career ended, uh, just sort of re- rekindled there. And, um, you know, from that 2001 season on was, uh, you know, real obsessive with, with the Brian Erlacher and Mike Brown years. So it's probably a little bit of a – there's some dalliances with other teams, but uh, I think that it's always – it always comes back to Navy and Orange. Well, obviously football and the Bears runs deep in this family – but what does it mean? What does the team mean to you guys specifically? Part of it's my dad, um, and then you just you pick players and you keep following them, and then next year, the following year, there's another player that you follow, so you just continue. Um, good history, as far as with the Bears franchise. What um, do you mean by that? Defense. Oh. <laughs> history. Oh. <laughs> Smash mouth. Smash mouth. They're, you've never heard of they're the uh, black and blue division. I hadn't. Well, you know, I'm married to a football lover who is the son of a football lover. I should know more. I'm picking stuff up. So this is going to be an education for me, too. I, I think that the what it's meant to me has is, is changed a lot over time. I think that early on it was, you know, sort of the... You went to Platteville, Wisconsin. Uh, Mom would always take us to Platteville at least once, if not a couple times a summer. Uh, and we'd go up and, you know, you'd get autographs. And, you know, it was picking your favorite player. You know, at that point, you know, Tom Waddle was a big uh, part of my life. And it was really cool to meet him later on in life and talk to him about that. Uh, and then, and I think after a while, it became more of something I do as my hobby. And then it, that got even a little bit more serious with talking, you know, talking about the team, writing about the team. And so it, it's become a real daily part of my life. It always sort of was unofficially, and now it's like a real official piece of what I think about every day because I have to think, how am I going to talk about this team? And, and how am I going to put this in perspective that I, I hope elevates the discourse around what people think about football, what people think about the Bears in general, where they're going, and try to give a more of an even-keeled approach, which not always what I did in my life. Um, and so that, that's been a, a really fun evolution, but it's always this bedrock for me to come back to this team. It's got over 100 years of history. There's so many interesting characters, um, and it's just, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a rich text. It has a lot to explore. And it's really been fun for me to try to add my piece of creativeness to um, the good work that's already out there. What about watching games together growing up? What was that like? Fun. <laughs> In what way? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of yelling, a lot of food, <laughs> a lot of learning the different, um, oh, how do you want to say this, what they're doing out there. I learned more watching the boys watch it because of the fact of, you know, Jeff would throw out terms mm-hmm. and then I would learn those terms and what they were doing and what it meant okay. to the formations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little further down. We talk about um, how do you like to watch games, but I, I think that growing up there was uh, 
there was a rhythm, there was a cadence to watching football. So on Saturdays, I remember always going over to uh, Grandma and Grandpa's, and there'd be a lot of people, and it would just be this kind of, I always called it Grand Central Station. There'd be people kind of coming in and out all day. There was a lot of food, and then there was always Hawkeye game on, and Grandpa would always have the volume on the TV muted because those guys hated the Hawkeyes. Uh, didn't matter who they were. They always, you know, those announcers hated the Hawkeyes. So he had to have on the radio guys. So the radio was, of course, like a little delayed from the TV feed. So that's how I remember growing up watching Saturdays. And then that kind of bled into Sundays where, um, you know, the NFL was on and, you know, you try to watch the Bears. And growing up, the Bears were on a lot. But then when they weren't, by the time high school came around, then we'd kind of go to a local bar to, to watch them. Um, you know, because they, they had the ticket or whatever it was back then. And so there was, you know, kind of some fun rituals around going out to somewhere. It was kind of cool to go to a bar when you, when you weren't 21, um, you know, and, and be able to watch a game uh, at a bar with a bunch of people that were drinking way too much. And, you know, there's just, just some, some fun rituals around watching, watching those games throughout, throughout time. Yeah. How do you watch games, Julie? Oh, I wear the same thing. Um, Which is? <laughs> whichever jersey that I pick at the beginning of the season, if we do well, then I continue to wear that jersey. If we mess up, then sometimes I change jerseys. Who do you have? Who's your jerseys? Oh, geez. Right now I have uh, Walter Payton, Greg Olson. Well, I did have Khalil Mack. And Jay Cutler. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like a ritual. Any other rituals you have around watching the Bears? Usually the same kind of food. we got to have pickle roll-ups, just different, the same kind of foods. What are pickle (laughs) roll-ups? Pickle roll-ups are uh, pickles with cream cheese and beef. (laughs) Rolled together. Rolled together. Jeff, any other rituals you would add to this? I think for a long time, I I definitely had jerseys were part of what I like. I enjoyed wearing the jersey of a of a favorite player, and over time, I, I lately I have not done well. They they keep leaving, right? I bought a Mac jersey and, and he's gone, and I had an Alshon jersey uh, and that didn't work out. Uh, so it, you know, I feel like I'm I need to kind of give myself a little bit of a moratorium until there's there's some certainty with this roster. Uh, but I've always liked the, the, the jersey piece, and I, I enjoy that. But just having some sort of navy and orange on, watch the game, any more ritual-wise or, or how I like to watch the game, I really just kind of prefer to watch it by myself because I can really focus in on it. I was having a drink with a, a friend a couple weeks ago, and he actually mentioned when we went to a, uh, watch a game together about how he thought he was – irritating me by talking to me during the game um, because I was just so focused in. We were at a bar, and I was just so focused in on, on the game, and I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that I can see that. Uh, I would second that. <laughs> so uh, there is, like, this level of, of focus. Um, and part of, part of it's because I want to make sure I see what's going on so that I know what, when I go back and rewatch it before, you know, I, I cut a podcast, uh, I want to, you know, make sure that I saw that or, or go back and, and rewatch it to, to check things. But it's also just that's how I feel like I need to be able to watch the game so that I can un- really understand what's happening and, and um, really understand the flow. And if they have a chance to, to win or if they're pretty much dead in the water, um, feel like I, 
you know, have a pretty good sense of that uh, by, by focusing in that much. Uh, but anymore, I just prefer to watch by myself. Bears games anyway, because I get a little emotional, and sometimes that freaks people out. I'm not as bad as it used to be, but still, you know, have those moments. Football games in general, I, I mean, I love watching a football game by myself. I will watch the two worst teams in the league play on Thursday Night Football, and I will be just happy uh, to watch it. But I'm happy to go out and watch other NFL games with people um, and, you know, playoff games. Of course, I, I'm, those are more social events, and I, I love being around people watching my favorite sport. Uh, but Bears games, try to be by, by myself. Well, we've been talking about jerseys and your favorite players. So what would be your all-time favorite player? Uh, You can only pick one. Only one? No, you can say more than one, I think. You can list as many as you want, but at the end of the day, you should pick one. Peanut Tillman is actually my favorite. And why? One, because of the (laughs) peanut punch. Two, his defense. And three, I like the way he carries himself outside of football. Mm-hmm. He represents the Chicago Bears and the Chicago area very well. Yeah. You keep up on personal lives of the football players quite a bit, and so you seem to know what they're doing out in the community. I do kind of watch <laughs> them. Once they become a bear, they're always a bear. Mm-hmm. Unless they go play for the Packers. <laughs> There's rules here. Absolutely. Jeff, your all-time favorite player? So it's actually Peanut Tillman as well. Uh, growing up, it would have been Tom Waddle. He was my guy. I just, you know, I just loved him so much, and uh, just this kind of gritty guy that had no care for him, his body, which you know I, I realize now is maybe not the best thing in the world of how he played and how he got knocked around. But uh, at some point, I early, I would say fairly early on in Tillman's career, this guy he became my favorite player while he was playing. And I feel like I was early in on Peanut Tillman, and so that helps, it kind of reinforces how much I like him. It's like when you really like the book before the movie's made and the movie becomes this big thing, and you're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm at level higher because I liked the book. And I feel like I was in on Peanut Tillman before he really blew up and people really noticed and realized just how amazing he was. And so he that kind of helped push him up my board. And then, like Mom said, he he's just this great person like he was Walter Payton man of the year and he he's just someone that I think you could look up to I wrote an article I wrote a bunch of articles about Tillman last year and one of them was the Bears should try to approach him and see if he would be interested in coming on in some sort of senior leadership role uh some some kind of like team president type role because I think that that would do wonders for uh, the organization to have a former player to have somebody like that to be able to connect with the current players uh, and I just, I, he was a, a fantastic player, didn't get the due that he should have, uh, but he just does even more outside that, that really impresses me. Okay. How about the current roster? Favorite player? I'd say right now, Justin Fields. But I'm um, really anxious to see Kyler Gordon play, especially at camp. Um, and Velas. 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 Um, Jones, uh-huh. I'd like to see him. What about these two people? I think they're going to, uh, well, Kyler's going to definitely help out on defense. And I think Velas is going to help um, Justin. 
Yeah, I think it's hard because there's just so much turnover right now, and all the best players of the last few years are gone. You know, Akeem Hicks was my favorite player for the last few years, and he was just so much fun to cheer for. Um, and I, I think that, you know, I think we all want it to be Justin Fields, right? I think that that's sort of the, in a year from now, if he has the season we all think he's going to have, he's going to be everybody's favorite player. I, mean, I think that's that's where we're all going. It's just so hard for somebody who hasn't necessarily put, put that on film quite yet to be able to say, that's my favorite guy. But there's a lot to like about him. So I think that's a really defensible answer. Um, I'm going to actually go with the guy that's wearing Peanut Tillman's number right now and that's Jalen Johnson another cornerback he's I think he's really good I think he he has that cornerback one swagger that I'm really excited about uh and and I I love corners so it's that's an easy pick for me as well you know in a year from now I hope I'm saying Justin while we're talking about Justin what are your thoughts on him and will he be the guy well that's probably not a question to ask me since I think Justin (laughs) has presented himself very well to the Chicago area. Um, To me, he's always out there working hard. It shows him leaving and coming to the facility every day, um, ready to put in the work that needs to be done. And I think he knows what Chicago needs. Why isn't that a question to ask you? You're just in his camp already? You're there? Or what does that mean? I'm already there. I'm already there. I watched him during his college, and I thought that the kid the kid was good. You know, and, and I just really think that he has showed everyone so far that he wants to be the guy. You know, he doesn't talk about it. He just does it. And I think that's what Chicago needs, is somebody that doesn't talk about it and just does it. So I think that the way that my mind works, I want as much data as possible. That's just who I am. That's my profession is having as much information as possible before I make a decision, right? So I've asked this question to all these people, you know, 15 people, uh, guests on the Hopium Den, because I want to know what they think, but also because I, maybe I was a little bit too afraid to get out in front and say that I think he's going to be the guy because I don't have enough data. I really don't have enough data. But I am now being interviewed, and that so I so I, so now I, I'm I'm not uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out my impartialness in that respect, and and I'm gonna say that I think he will be. I think that the I think the Bears got incredibly lucky by a crazy string of events. He probably could have been the number one overall pick. If one or two weird things happen differently, Trevor Lawrence is a very nice prospect, and I think that he deserves deserved to be number one overall. But I don't think anybody would have blinked if Jacksonville would have taken Justin Fields. And so I think that there's this incredible string of events that allowed the Bears to be able to take him. And I think that we all need to realize this guy is has all of the potential in the world. He, it, most Bears fans alive have not seen a quarterback with this level of talent coming out of college. I would have to go back in my history reading to Johnny Lujak in like the 1940s for them to, to even compare this thing. He won Heisman Trophy and national championships with Notre Dame. So, you know, that he was that guy back then. But Justin Fields is right there. And so the Bears just have not had a guy like this. And everything that you see about him is that he's serious 
and they did make a change away from somebody who clearly wasn't going to try to fit anything around Justin to someone who I believe will. I think that the new offensive coordinator will go ahead and try to focus on what Justin can do well, which I believe is use his rare speed and ability um, to, to be a threat and also to, to throw downfield. I think he's a, a big game hunter and that he's going to want to have as many explosive plays as possible. And that's what I think that this league is all about. It's all about explosive plays. And so you have a guy with a modern quarterback uh, skill set, and he has the drive to be the best in, in team history. And so for me, I do believe he will be the guy. So there's talks of a new stadium. What do you think about that? Are you in favor of it? Nope. If you saw Julie's face just now, it definitely reinforced that nope. <laughs> Why is that? Because the Chicago Bears need to be at Soldier Field. Period. No more? That, Nostalgia? It, it just, uh, Why do you need a great big fancy stadium to go and watch a football game? Just go, watch the football game, and share. It doesn't matter the things around you. And I just think part of the history of the Chicago Bears is in Soldier Field. So I'm going to disagree. So I think that, uh, you know, one thing about the Bears is that they have not always played in Soldier Field. They played in Wrigley Field for a long time. So those games that you watched with Grandpa, uh, with Dick Buckus, those would have been in Wrigley Field and not Soldier Field. And I think that in the modern NFL, you really do need one of those newer stadiums that have all of the amenities around it. It's like an event, so there'll be, uh, you know, restaurants and all these things that are that are a, a part of of that. It's also Soldier Field isn't the easiest to get to. It's it's pretty tough to get to. It's also the smallest or one of the smallest stadiums in the entire league when you have a one of the biggest fan bases in the entire league. So you have supply and demand issues with tickets, right? So that's why tickets are so expensive to go to Bears games is because there's not enough tickets for all the fans that want to come see it. And if you have a small stadium, that prevents somebody from having this great experience to go see their favorite team, right? And so over time, I think you lose your percentage of fan base uh, by not having a, a big enough stadium. And, and I think that the modern creature comforts of, of the modern stadiums are worth it. And I, and I think that they're worth building that, that new piece over in Arlington Heights or whatever. I, I just want them to do it right. I want them to build a big stadium and a very nice stadium and go over budget. Like whatever the McCassies are thinking, they need to double it. And they need to put in money for this to be like a showpiece for the NFL. And, and that, that's what I'm open for. I really love the idea that, that Chris had um, in a previous episode where she uh, said put a retractable roof on and then if it's going to snow, you have to take the roof off so that it will snow in the stadium. I thought that was really funny, like bring in the weather piece. Um, and there are some modern stadiums that have, you know, f- protect the fans um, but will allow the, the elements in on the game. And so it's kind of an interesting uh, way to think about it and, and put that on. But yes, absolutely, I'm in favor of it. And I think it'll be um, really fun to be able to 
go to Soldier Field um, while it's still being while the Bears are still playing there. But I think it'll be a lot of fun to to go to a new stadium as well and be proud of that. Does that sway you, Julie? No. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what you guys think about Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. I think Ryan so far has got it right. Um, I think he's come in and he's looking at things, hopefully as an offensive lineman should, to take care of our quarterback that needs to be taken care of. And um, I think Flues, and that's what I'm calling him now. Um, Are you a floozy? I'm a floozy, yes. <laughs> uh, I think, now I know there was some discussion about him being a defensive coach rather than the offensive coach. However, I was a fan of Lovey Smith, except when he brought on Mark Martz. Uh, Mike Martz. I think that you need a different perspective on how to teach the quarterback what defense is coming. So I think Fluce is is going to make sure that his quarterback knows what's coming. So I, I think for the GM, for Ryan Poles, I that, was, that wasn't the guy that I thought they might go with. I was I was cheering for the Buffalo Bills organization and trying to, to pick those guys off. Um, the, the Giants ended up getting that tandem. So that was where I was... I was at on the, on the offseason process. I like the fact that Ryan Poles comes from an offensive line background, said that plenty. Um, I, I don't think he necessarily did enough uh, in, in the offensive line this offseason. I think that his biggest pluses this offseason were that he didn't rush out and spend all of the money like they did, say, in Jacksonville. And so when your biggest plus mark is the fact that you didn't do bad things, is you know that's kind of underwhelming. And, and I understand why a lot of Bears fans might be frustrated with, with the inaction. I think that some of the moves that he did make, uh, particularly the, the ones that fell through, would have been interesting. You know, he, he went after Ogunjobi, uh, and then he had to pull that contract because he wasn't in a healthy place with his knee. And I think that was surprising that he went after uh, a defensive player as his priority in free agency, but... I think you could see where his mind was going was to give that cog in the defense. That's very important in Everflus's defense. Uh, but he had a backup plan in that situation uh, and, and, and signed that guy right away when, the, when they pulled the offer. And so he had a plan. Um, he went after restricted free agent Ryan Bates to play right guard um, and pair him up with Lucas Patrick, who's, who's uh, scheduled to play center. The Bills matched that contract, and so they did not end up signing Ryan Bates, who I think would have been a fine addition to this offensive line, would have been the type of guy that he's looking for. But he didn't really have a backup plan. His backup plan was going into the draft, and I don't know that he necessarily drafted a starter at, at right guard in the draft. We will see training camps just around the corner, and we will see if one of those guys emerges. Um, the The... Chiefs did do a nice job of rebuilding their offensive line in Poles' last year there. I would imagine that was a large piece of what he talked about during his interview process was how they did that in Kansas City and how they could replicate it in Chicago. Time will tell. We will see if Larry Borum, you know, guys from the last regime, if they if they find a role, if Braxton Jones can find a role um, as a, as a fifth round rookie. I think he's more talented than a fifth rounder, so I, I I do think he could get on the field this year. But overall, I think it's I don't think he did quite enough for me to say like, oh yeah, this guy gets it. 
but he didn't make those mistakes a lot of first-time GMs do. And so I can at least appreciate that he was willing to do the teardown piece and sit on his hands and not commit a lot of future dollars. So he's put himself in a good position for next year. As far as Eberflus, he was the guy that I probably knew the least about. I mean, I I respected the Colts defense and and those players. Um, I I was a little surprised they, they didn't go after... Uh, like Brian Dayball, who was, was the guy that I was really hoping for. But I think that overall, he does bring uh, a mentality that a lot of Bears fans will like, they will identify with. And so I think that he can be sold to the fan base in that way. And then I have this theory that's much like if you ever have a friend that gets divorced and then they quickly find another partner, they're like the exact opposite of the person that they just got a divorce from. And I feel like NFL coaching hires are a lot like that where you get a divorce from your coach and you go out and you hire the exact opposite and I think we saw that here with with moving on from from John Fox to Matt Nagy and then back to the defensive side and now you've actually kind of done a circle where you've kind of come back to Lovey Smith so you've just kind of done this big circle here um, over the last decade plus uh, and, and come back to a defensive minded head coach and so we'll see if it works out um, but I I was I know the least about him, but I'm gonna come in with a, a very open mind. Well, I want to hear more of the personal side of things here. I am not from a football family, so coming into this family who is bears to the core, I've learned a lot over the years and talks a lot about going to training camp while Jeff was little. I got to hear this story about taking Jeff to training camp as a young boy. (laughs) What did that look like? What was that? It was fun. Um, Jeff has always liked sports. Like we lived, we had our first house and our second house we moved into before his first grade year. Well, um, we wanted him to be out playing in the neighborhood with the boys that he would be going to school with so he would know people when he started school and so we did not put cable in and about a week after we've been into the house well maybe two he comes up to me and he goes mom please can we get cable and I said well we want you to you know meet people he says I need my ESPN (laughs) and I knew then (laughs) <laughs> that he he wasn't there to just watch cartoons. He was there to watch his ESPN between bas- baseball and football at that time. And that's what he would do is he would be on there listening and watching everything there was, either about the Cubs or the Bears. Um, taking him, of course, was fun because you're taking him to see Walter Payton. You're taking him to see Richard Dent, uh, Michael Singletary. You know, they're standing right in front of you. Jim McMahon. Of course, he never walked. He was always on a, a golf cart. So you really didn't get to see him. But um, just to see the look in his eyes when all these big guys would come through and actually stop and talk to the kids. Um, that's one of the things I loved about training camp is going up to Platteville and the kids would just line and the guys would come down and they'd go to each side and they would sign autographs and just to see the kids faces and 
and just the look of you know them looking up to these huge people you know Dan Hampton it just <laughs> and you know seeing these big guys with these little kids you know Jeff what do you remember of this I, I mean, certainly remember a lot of the Platteville stuff, but I think the the, the the standing in the line thing, I think the one that sticks out to me is the Tom Waddle autograph, which uh, there was a 87 Bears jersey that was hanging in the rafters of this shoe store. I remember going in and getting getting a pair of shoes and seeing this jersey, and it was, you know, how, however much, um, more than a little kid has. And I remember thinking, like, all right, I think I'll make that much money shoveling driveways this winter how much i don't remember i mean you know it's it probably wasn't as much as i want to say i mean maybe it was like 80 bucks or 60 bucks or something like that and i i shoveled driveways at you know five bucks a pop or whatever and then i remember just thinking like i you know okay i have enough i hope it's still there um and we went back and we bought it and then and i bought it two two three sizes too big because in my mind this is going to be my favorite player forever i want to be able to wear this jersey forever and then we went uh across the across the street to the mall and went into this like screen printing shop and i had them put the name on the back and they used just like plain white letters and when they screen printed it on the letters creased where the the v-neck is on the front so they didn't do a very good job um, with it or anything but it was like my prized possession I'm wearing the jersey up in Platteville. I'm on the line. Uh, Waddle's walking down the line, and about three, four people before he gets to me, he breaks off and starts running to practice. And as I like to think of the story, I let out a very girlish yell <laughs> of, you know, at the time I was probably 10, 12 years old. I don't, you know, I can't even think of what age that, probably 12 or something like that. And I, you know, ah, Tom, you know, and he kind of looked back. And as he looked back, he saw the number, and he's like, oh! And he, like, turned around, and he's, he's like, oh, okay, hey, you got my jersey on. And he's like, you want me to sign it on the back, where the name is, which what most people would do. And I was like, no, I want you to sign it in the front so I can see the signature. And then over the years, mom would have to wrestle it away from me to wash it. And then so over time, that signature faded, and there was one point where I like retraced the signature <laughs> so that it would show back up. But I would wear it multiple times a week to school. You know, I mean, it was that was just it was my prized possession for a really long time, and that was a, that was a cool thing. I remember Curtis Conway driving away in a gold sports car and yeah. stuff like that. Like I mean, I just remember like random things like that. But that was a little later on. But that was probably the the most fun, innocent child type memory. Then when he was in high school, he got to. Um, Tommy Waddle came to Kennedy High School, uh, and he Jeff got special permission to be able to wear his jersey instead of the Kennedy Cougar jersey. That's not how the story goes at all. But oh. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I like your version. It's um, I thought that's the way it the went. Special permission part. Yeah, it was just a. It was just he came in like a speaking circuit. Right. This is before he had like the radio gigs. Like he was kind of around giving like leadership talk. And so I just, it was just a night thing. And I just went and it was like, you know, do you wear the jersey? Because it's really uncool to wear something like that when you're 17 years old, whatever, right? Um, But I was like, nah, you got to do it. So I I wore it. And of course, the local film crew was very excited. And I was like, you can film me, but you can't put my face. Like, you have to just film the jersey. Like, I was just, you know, I was really wrestling with the the coolness factor of the time. 
And then afterwards, I went up and talked to him, and I said, I said, hey, you know, nice to meet you. You're my, you were my favorite player growing up, and and he was like, he's like, well, I saw the '87 jersey. I just wasn't sure if it was mine or if it was uh, Moose's jersey or whatever it was at the time, um, Ricky Prohl or maybe or something like that. And he was obviously just joking. And I was like, no, no, no. I, you know, you signed this at Platteville, and you know, I really, you know, you were my favorite player growing up. And he's like, he's like, don't go into scouting. You're you got a terrible eye for talent. <laughs> Um, and uh, it was just really funny. It was really self-deprecating, and it was uh, it was a really nice conversation. And he asked me, you know, what I did, and you know, position I played, and, and, and things like that. So it was it was a nice conversation with him. And um, yeah, that was a it was a fun capper to the getting the buying the jersey, getting the autograph, and then meeting him years later. Years later, later. Yeah. Not to be too tra- traditional, but typically it's uh, maybe a dad and a son sharing football together. It's a little different. Mom and son sharing football together. Well, my dad, my dad always used to take us even to the high school football games. Um, you, as yes, a child, yes. So that's how I, because I really enjoy watching football. Mm-hmm. When my when Jeff was born, my dad would always say, "He's going to play football. He's going to play football. He's big enough. He's a tiger man. He's going to play football," which he was big enough. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, so Jeff played football. You were a football mom. I was a football mom. What did that mean mom. to you? I was very proud. Very proud mom. It, you know, it would be nice when the quarterback comes, mom comes up to you and says, tell your kid thanks for taking care of my kid. And just different stuff. It's hard to watch your son get hurt and not be able to go do anything. But I knew if, if that time ever came and I did run down there then he would be more mad at me than um, anything so that never happened being a football mom with the boys it was just always you know if you when they weren't driving you'd pick them up and you'd hear them talk about you know what happened I always loved listening to him when he came home tell me what what happened at practice and and just different things I quit going to practice when he was probably in middle school because, you know, it doesn't look good when moms are sitting there watching. So, <laughs> got to be cool. What about being a football mom at soccer games? Oh, that. <laughs> that you mean was when you were playing soccer? I, yes, I played that soccer was, as he, well in the spring. Yes, that was. Um, I was standing there one time and he blocked somebody. And one of the moms looks at me and goes, he can't do that. We're playing foot. We're not playing football. And I said, he didn't get called for it. Um, But apparently, you know, those moms don't like the big offensive linemen hitting their little boys. You said, stop being so soft. I, I didn't know. I said, I'll say something to him. I, this is his first year playing soccer. So. Maybe he doesn't know the rules. <laughs> Just using the the uh, physical tools that I have to try to gain an advantage. But it was kind of funny because you know, like if he'd hit one, then one of them would go bouncing off, and because they're little, and so it was kind of funny. <laughs> well, we've talked many times over the years about your grandpa, Grandpa Jack, your dad Jack, and football was really important. Well, big part of the family. I want to. What did a day look like when you went over there, or maybe there's just a particular game you remember? What was it like? What a typical day look like. Well, he'd definitely get himself right in front of the TV, 
I can tell you that. Um, and like Jeff said, it depended on if the announcers were for the Bears, we'd listen to the TV. If not, we'd be on the, the radio real soon. You know, him just yelling at him. And then, like, I remember one time I do believe Dick Buckus broke his finger and actually went and had it taped and came back and played in the game. And my dad just thought that was just the best thing ever. I mean, he yeah. just, you know. Um, but, there, you know, like I said, there would be food, there would be talk, there would be, you know, just a lot of yelling at the TV. Um, depending on what it was worth, as far as the game and what it came down to, you know, you could be yelling, um, and then at the end you could be crying. <laughs> but the one thing I always heard from my father was, they'll do it next year. Hope springs eternal. Yeah, hopium den right there. Um, I can kind of set the scene a little bit. So like turn of the century house, kind of a, I don't know what style would you what you call that, but. Two story. Um, yeah, so Maybe there's like a big, square. yeah, and a big, uh, had a big like banister, um, you know, stairway that was behind the TV, uh, you know, so people kind of running up and down that. And then a Davenport, which was a term that he and my grandma used that I've never heard anybody else use, uh, a couch, big, big, long couch. My grandpa was pretty tall. Uh, he would sit in the middle of that couch, which was directly lined up to the TV. And then there'd be a couple spots on either side of him. And then there was a couple chairs. And then the record player was in the corner by the closet. And the record player was a radio as well. So that was where that, that came from. Um, and then uh, there was, my grandpa would make noises if you were blocking the TV or if you were talking too loud. We couldn't hear it. He'd go, ah, 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 that kind of thing. So there was a lot of that. And then uh, at the end of the day, it was, uh, no matter if you were there for the whole weekend or if you were there for, you know, 20 minutes, it was come back when you can stay a while. Um, and I just remember that phrase being said a lot and uh, always made you feel welcome and um, just a, a fun fun experience all the way around but I don't remember any specific games or, or anything like that I, I feel like maybe we watched like the Rose Bowl over there where the Hawkeyes got destroyed by Washington or something like that and I remember that being a particularly like bad game um, <laughs> a couple of like Hawkeye games against big teams where they got blown out for some reason those stick they stick to me because it was just this like Turn it off, get get out of here, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just I like the ritual of it all. And then one of the I don't know um, one towards the end when my dad got sick. I don't know if I ever told you this, but he went to um, the hospital in Minnesota, Mayo, the Mayo Clinic, and Walter Payton was there because Walter Payton had his liver cancer. Or some sort of cancer, anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but my mom had my dad in a wheelchair. My dad looked at her with this look on his face, and he said, That's Walter Payton. That's Walter Payton. And my dad would not go over and ask, talk to him or anything, because he didn't want to bother him. Um, but my mom said to see the look on his face when he saw Walter Payton at the Mayo Clinic with him... Um, it just, uh, I don't know, it was just kind of surreal and yeah. kind of, you know, um, 
something he needed at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. But he just never went. And I said to him, I said, why didn't you go over and say something to him, Dad? He would have talked to you. I'm quite sure he mm-hmm. would have. And he said he was there for the same damn reason as I was, and he didn't need to be bothered. <laughs> and they, they passed away within a couple months of each other. Grandpa passed away in September of 99, and it would have been around when, when Walter passed to that season. So. Yeah. yeah. And then I, the, one of the last, uh, I was playing on a Friday night, and I think Grandpa passed on a Saturday or a Sunday, and so he was towards the end there, and he was listening to it on the radio. And I happened to have a good game where the radio announcer actually said my name a few times. You know, probably got a few tackles, or maybe made a, uh, an impressionable block where the announcer said something, which you know is not normal. Uh, you know, for for linemen to get called out on radio broadcasts. And and I know that um, it was relayed to me that that brought a smile to his face. Um, so he was still you know hearing that at the end. So I'd like to think that he. That meant something to him as well at the end. I want to know about the food that you had during these game days. Talk a lot about food. Talk a lot about your grandma's, your mom's food. Was there something in particular she made? Maybe pickle rolls? Well, actually, (laughs) the pickle rolls was us. Um, (laughs) My mom used to make homemade Mexican food. She was taught from scratch. Mm -hmm. So Saturdays and Sundays would be the day that she would do that. So that's what you usually had at her place, was homemade Mexican food. I mean, homemade tortillas, the whole Mm -hmm. bit. Now us, when the kids were little, we did taco roll-ups, pickle roll-ups, and pizza. The three food groups. Yeah. Well, the grandma's, uh, you know, Mexican food was fantastic. And I think that's probably why I like that. I like, you know, I like going to taco trucks now and getting the street tacos and things like that because I think there's there's some similarities there. But I think the what you're missing out is uh, uh, on that story is that she would make two salsas from scratch, you know, no store bought stuff. One and one of them was like a big pot, and it would be, um, you know, kind of a mild type salsa, and that's what almost everyone had except for the spicy salsa that grandma would make basically for herself and for me because no one else could really handle it. Maybe one or two other people would dip into that. And so that was kind of a special memory of, of being able to eat grandma's spicy. For some reason, she had an iron stomach and could could, could eat the hot stuff uh, with the best of them. So I can't do that anymore. But at the time, it was, it was fun to be able to do that with her. She could do it till the very end. I couldn't believe that. Well, what final thoughts do you have? Anything you want to share? I can't wait for the football season to start. <laughs> I wish all these people that. would try to quit quit getting rid of Robert Quinn. That's driving me nuts. Just shut up and let the offense do what the offense is going to do. Yes, they're going to make mistakes, but they're all new. And it's, you know, I hate hearing, well, Justin's going to be the last quarterback of the season and all this. How do you know? The season hasn't even started yet. And as my dad used to say, on any given Sunday, you can lose a game and you can win a game. I think the thing that I've, what I was kind of hoping to find out through doing this series was to see if there really was a true hopeful nature to this fan base. I mean, I know I named it the Hopium Den, but I, I I do think that it's just an interesting inflection point. I think people are so down 
on the end of the Nagy era. It needed to be done the year before. That was very clear. You know, we called it out on the podcast and all that, uh, and it didn't happen. And so I think last year was such a bummer to be a fan, to cover the team. You know, it was very hard to get on podcasts and try to get us through the season. Uh, and so what I've what I've realized is that this fan base is renewed, it is reinvigorated, and they are very excited about Justin Fields. They're very excited about the new direction. And I don't think it's going to result in wins on the record books in 2022. I just don't think that they have not invested a lot into this season. They are investing into the future. And so it may be a difficult season to watch if all you care about are wins and losses. And I, I understand if that's where you're at, and, and that's fine. But that, I don't think that's the right mentality to go into this season. I think this season is about seeing young players hopefully step into roles, make improvements, take advantage of the opportunities that they have, and see what building blocks the Bears have for 2023 and start getting some excitement around the fact that there is going to be a lot of free agent money. There's going to be a full slate of draft picks available to Ryan Poles. And from there, I am really excited about what this team will look like. Hope springs eternal. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Thank you. That's it. That's the series. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's turn our attention to Bears Camp. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. Check us out on Second City Gridiron YouTube. We would love for you to be able to uh, see some of our live streams and some of the video projects that we have that we're going to be working on there. Um, follow me on Twitter at Gridironborn, and let's uh, you know let's see where this goes. Let's see where this new regime takes us, and let's have fun along the way. Even the the dips can be fun if you put them in the right perspective. So. Thanks again, everybody, and bear down.